podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy and Ben Ayton. Um, it's Sunday evening and we do have to speak about our first defeat. This is the first podcast that we've talked about a defeat for Watford since way back in on the 2nd of May when we lost to Brentford in the Championship. But that one didn't really matter as much because we'd already been promoted by then. But this one does hurt a little bit more. Uh, before we go into it, Ben... How are you doing this Sunday evening? You had a good weekend and everything? Yeah, yeah, no, all good, mate. Um, weekend's been all right. Weather's been a bit disappointing. A um, bit frustrated from a Watford result yesterday as well. I'm sure we'll we'll um, dig the bones out of that one. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very well, thank you. I've, uh, well, I, I, I am now. I've, this last week picked up a bit of a bug, illness bug. Uh, luckily, it's not COVID, but... Um, not been feeling too great and so that that's been a bit of an annoying thing and then um i got back from birmingham today as well i had a bit of a scare with cancellation of trains because trains got cancelled and everything so i was a little bit worried i weren't going to make it back in time to do this podcast but i was in birmingham my um my saturday league team that i managed uh we had another pre-season game um and we've won again which is good four two against higher opposition and the lads have got another game on Tuesday which I won't be there for but uh, hopefully they can again against higher opposition so hopefully they can pick up another win and the season starts in two weeks so looking forward to that but uh, yeah I uh, I watched the game in the in the pub on Saturday evening and uh, it, it wasn't enjoyable viewing let's put it that way um, it, it really really wasn't and we, we, we might as well start with dissecting the, the, the team news for that one, Ben. Not much change, to be honest. So, in fact, um, just looking at the team now, the, other than, the, well, there was only one change, wasn't there? It was loser coming in uh, for the injured Kucha. So it was Backman in goal, a back four of Messina, Cabaselli, Trusta Kong, Craig Cathcart, and then midfield um, was Etibo, Cleverly, Loser, and then Sema, Saar and Dennis. Uh, was was the team that was there. Ben, we talked about this on the last podcast. Uh, well, we spoke about this personally, actually, because the last podcast, we didn't know he was injured. So we've spoken about this over WhatsApp and everything, and we sort of said, who's going to come in? Uh, you sort of mentioned maybe Gosling had come in, and um, there, there's we, we really didn't know what was going on. But do you think that before the game, do you think that bringing loser in was the right thing to do? Um, before the game, uh, yes. Um, not after watching his um, 45 minutes stint, um, I didn't think so. Um, but th- there was no other options for um, Cisco to, re- unless he yeah. changed formation and just played the two in midfield. 
um, but he opted for a three in the midfield and it didn't work yesterday. Um, it's a shame that Loser got taken off at half-time, but he really needed to be taken off because it wasn't the best of performances from him. But there was no midfielders on the bench either, so it just shows how we're really struggling in that department at the moment. At the start of the season, we had so many centre midfielders. We were like, what are we going to do with them all? But <laughs> some have picked up injuries. We've sent people out on loan. There's two players who are milling over contract offers as well, which um, I'm not going to go into because I'm kind of bored of the subject now. Yeah. Um, and we really miss um, Kuka yesterday. Um, he was fantastic when he played against Villa last week and you missed him yesterday. Um, so massive blow. Um, and when, when you take out Kuka and replace him with loser, you can just tell by the physicality of both of them that you're going to get a diff- different performances from them both. Mm-hmm. And disappointed um, I was yesterday. Um, but I know we're talking about loser as well, but the other area of the team that really frustrated me, nothing against the guy. We've spoken about him for a few weeks now. It's, it's putting Craig Cathcart over at right back. Mm-hmm. Yes, he can do a solid job, but playing him at right back, it, it it cuts off Sars' right arm when we're playing yeah. away from home. You need someone who's going to be helping Sar. You need someone who's going to be overlapping him, um, drawing defenders away from Sar. It was Sar was had his arm cut off yesterday, um, or what I say, his legs cut off because <laughs> he, he couldn't run past anyone. He had no help on the right hand side. I know Kafkot didn't really do that against Villa, um, and Sar played really well. But that's because we was. Dennis and Saar was playing closer together. Yeah, um, that's why we saw it in the first game and not yesterday. But yeah, you, Cisco really doesn't fancy uh, Ngakia, does he? It's a shame because he played all for pre-season games. It looked like he was going to get the chance, but then Ngakia got absolutely torn apart by Wilfried Zaha in a pre-season friendly. Gave um, and he was probably to blame for the second goal which we conceded. And I think since that performance. It's probably thrown a bit of doubt in Cisco's mind, thinking if Ngaki is going to perform like that against a really high-quality calibre of player like Zaha, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to throw him into the Premier League when he's maybe not ready. But I don't think Crave Kakar is the answer to play at that right-back. He's an aging defender. He's losing a bit of pace. He's not going to help overlap. It's not going to help in the attacking sense for us. It's just a frustrating um, selection for me mate I don't know how you feel about that whole um, situation yeah I mean I I saw Kiko was back in training and I think they said in the build up to it that Kiko and um, Josh King you know were were, were back in full training it looked like they would have been available but there was no Kiko on the bench Josh King was on the bench and he come on and and, and did well for the the short period of time but where's Kiko and yes and Gaki is on the bench so it's almost it's almost as if he sort of does. He, he rates him enough to put him on the bench over Kiko. Kiko's just coming back from an injury. Don't really know what's going on there. I completely agree with what you said. You know, we've spoken about it before on this pod, and nothing against Craig Kafkart because he's been an absolute stalwart for this club. But he um, he's not a right back, and he a player of his age and ability now. Uh, at this current moment in time, shouldn't be playing in the Premier League for 90 minutes. So, uh, granted, he didn't 
play the full 90 minutes, but you know what I mean. He shouldn't be starting games when you're looking to win them because you're right, it does limit Sarr as to what he can do. And the amount of times that we saw, how many times in the Championship, Kiko would overlap Sarr and the, 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 the partnership they had was electric. It was second to none. So it really did puzzle me there. And, um, you know, before the game, yes, I would have took loser as well. A lot of people saying they didn't want Dan Gosling and... I think it was pretty evident to, to maybe see when Dan Gosling come on against Villa that, yes, he was a good enough fit for the championship and he was a smart, smart signing, but he probably doesn't have the legs for the Premier League anymore. And to be honest, I, I think yesterday, Ben, I'm, I'm sure you, you, you'll have your say, but I think we lost that battle in midfield. That Basuma was head and shoulders above everyone on that pitch yesterday. And we lost the battle in midfield. And that's ultimately what cost us. And I just think that... Um, I, I just don't think that Tom Cleverley had a good game at all yesterday. And I, I think he's not the type of player that you can... We can't be relying on him to chase every lost cause like he did in the Championship last season. He can't do that in the Premier League. Has he maybe not got the legs for the Premier League anymore? But... Did you think that's where we lost the battle yesterday, Ben? Is that was that the big sticking point for you midfield as well, or was was there something else? Or um, we lost the we we lost the first battle after a few seconds when Itubo um, missed uh, lost the interception and Brighton was through on goal after the first ten seconds and had a, a shot that went over. Um, it was a really poor start from Watford yesterday. Um, yeah. You got to start quicker than that. Um, I, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people slate cleverly for his performance yesterday. Um, a lot of people slate in loser and Itubu. Um, if I'm honest, I think they were all bad. Uh, yeah. I don't think one was worse than the other. Mm-hmm. It was difficult for loser to come in for his Premiership um, debut away at Brighton. Um, it was hard to replace Kuka, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And I think the way we started the game didn't help loser. Brighton set up. Was just magnificent. He's a Bazuma, really impressive. Him, really good player. I was jealous watching Brighton have a midfielder of that high caliber of a player. He did absolutely everything yesterday for Brighton. Everything came through him. He was fantastic. It, it, watching him made me jealous. Um, I tweeted earlier saying watching him reminded me or or miss the likes of Decore and Capu because what Bazuma did yesterday was what Decore and Capu did for us but he was doing it all by himself yesterday for Brighton and it won't be long until he gets a big money move away from a club I know it's been rumoured before but he's a hell of a player and then you look at our midfield now we've brought in Itubu on loan from Stoke we've brought in Loser we spent like 9 million on him we've brought in Kuka as well we've brought in um, Tufan from um, Turkey as well none of them are really that standard of Bazuma in that midfield I know we've, we've got, we're losing Will Hughes as well um, Chalabas with no idea what's going on with that but we haven't got that main man in that middle of midfield now not what yeah. like Brighton had yesterday and I think we need to try and sort out that position uh, especially when we're playing away from home. I think it's going to be easier for Watford to play at home this year with Vicarage, Vicarage Road and the fans behind us. I think we're going to pick up more points at home than we are away from home. Yeah. But yeah, away from, I think we're going to struggle this season, um, especially with our midfield three if they play like that. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe we're being a bit harsh on loser and, and the criticism that he got because, you know, after all, in pre-season... 
I don't know about the behind closed doors games, but the the games that were documented, he's only played 11 minutes of pre-season and he got 11 minutes against Crystal Palace. He wasn't in the squad against... He, I don't think he was in the squad against West Brom, was he? Uh, Stevenage, he, didn't, he wasn't in the squad. And then he was on the bench against um, Aston Villa. So it, it was a... Um, you know, it's, it's a really tough one to obviously... Yes, he didn't have the best of games, but there, there might be a reason for it. He's still got to acclimatise to playing football over here and he's still young and everything else. So that, that hopefully that's not a sign of performances to come. But I think you're absolutely right, Ben. I think it's evident that our away form is going to take a bit of a hammer in this season and we're going to have to pick up as many points as we can at the Vic because you know we, we know how well the Vic served us last year and listen, I'm not saying it's going to be anywhere near as easy as that this time round because you know the element of having um, full stadiums, the pressure building and the, being back in the Premier League, you're facing tougher opposition. So I, I'm, I'm not under any illusion to, to think that we're going to just absolutely blitz the home record again. But I do think that away from home, we need to book up our ideas because we can't be playing like that. And one, one area of one area that I'm, I'm a little bit worried about, Ben, and the first goal come from this, Shane Duffy with the, the header, um, Backman was never going to be able to stop that. But in terms of the marking, I think it was Messina that let him get away. And yeah, it, it was poor. But it was the build-up was actually true to Kong getting his body shape all wrong and having to put it out for a, 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 goal, a, a corner kick. But would you be tempted in the next game, Ben, to maybe change one of the centre-backs and, and go with Sierra Alta again? Or would you would you stick with how it has been? Yeah, no, 100%, mate. Um, I think if Sirioto played in that defence yesterday, we won and we obviously would have won more in the air. Um, yeah. He's a man mountain. He would have probably got on the end of that to clear that, where it went over Trusicon's head. Yeah. Um, but really poor marking from Adam Messina. There's something about him that I'm, I'm not 100% convinced about Messina. said last time he was in the Prem that I think he's a bit of a weak link and I, I, I see him as a bit of a liability. He did OK in the Championship last season, but that's Championship quality football back then, which probably suited him a bit better. I'm not going to lie, mate. When I saw the Brighton line-up and I saw Shane Duffy playing, I thought, brilliant, it, we yeah. could get at him. Um I saw him struggle for Celtic massively last season when he was out on loan. He ended up not even finishing the season with Celtic. He was playing that poorly. And then for him to get away from his marker and tell that header in as well, I thought, great, this is just how the day's going to go. Yeah, exactly. It was it was a sign of things to come, unfortunately. And, you know, to, to concede that early on, uh, I think we were having a chat with one of our mates in, uh, in our group chat um, in the days building up to the game and he was like how do you see this one going he goes personally I'd take a draw and I said look I says if if we score first then you know I'd I think we can go on and, and hold the lead and, and win the game but if Brighton score first I'd snap my hand off at, at, at a draw uh, and, and that was the case when that goal went in you just thought from that moment that they scored that goal for the rest of the first half, we just did not look like we were we were going to get back into that game whatsoever. And I think, well, I think we've spoken about this even in the championship at times. Truce to Kong, as as well as he's done for us in the championship, and as natural leader he is, you know, you can see that whether he's being considered as one of the future club captains, I don't know. But 
Um, you know, he's obviously got those leadership skills and he's, he's a big, solid centre-back. But I just think that, again, his distribution at times lets him down. And it certainly let him down yesterday, obviously. Passing to Cleverley, uh, whether Cleverley didn't get a man on shout or whether it was a week, two weaker ball, or I, I don't know. But the, the pass there, not as good. Basuma again, doing what Basuma does. And Neil Morpay, you're going to back him nine times out of ten in that position, even against Danny Backman. So, um, you know, to, to make that 2-0 just before half-time, Ben, that pretty much summed up our first half display, didn't it? And it, it, in my mind, even though it was only half-time, it was game over. Is that how you felt as well, going into half-time, whistle 2-0 down? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it was <laughs> knew it was going to be difficult to come back after that, especially how pathetic we just conceded that second goal. Like you say, it was awful play from Trucy to even attempt to play it out from a back to Cleverly. Um, kind of sold him a little bit short there. Um, Cleverly's awareness should have been better. He should have looked around him to see who was there. But Bazuma was quick on his heels, wasn't he? He was charging through him. And to step in to get that interception, and then, like you say, Millpower was there was only going to be one outcome when he was through on goal against Batman, and that was to to find the back of the net. So, really disappointing first half from Watford. Uh, yeah. We only managed one shot, and that was from Saar when he was breaking towards the edge of a box, and he fired over. Apart from that, we didn't offer anything. I thought Brighton bossed the game. Um, their midfield was terrific. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis was, he had no one near him. He had no support, no service. And he was just getting drowned out by three centre-backs. And I felt really sorry for him. He, he, was, he was running around chasing everything, but he couldn't get anything. Um, we were playing, there was too much of a gap between him and the midfielders and the wingers. And it was, it was a really frustrating first half, mate. It, it really, really was. And, you know, going into that 2-0 down, you're sort of thinking, well, we've we've got to change something in midfield. And as you said, we had no midfielders on the bench. So whether it was a case of those players in the dressing room were going to take one hell of a bollocking, something needed to change in that second half. Unfortunately, score-wise, it didn't. But in terms of the performance, we obviously saw the half-time substitution of Chucho and Andes coming on for... Uh, Imran loser. Uh, ben, it's clear to see why we've been so excited about Chucho, isn't it? Straight away, looking to get on the ball at every opportunity, looking to get it forward at every opportunity. Yeah, I'm really excited by him. I, I love him. <laughs> um, he reminds me of Forestieri. I've said it before. I, I, he's just got that flair to him. He just drops the shoulder. He just runs with the ball. He can beat a play. He can shoot from distance. He's got the ability to like score something out of nothing. He can create something out of nothing as well. Um, really excited by him. And his 45 minutes showing yesterday shows why he should possibly start for Watford in the next game. I think he offered more than Semmer. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with the Semmer bashing that he, I saw on Twitter yesterday. Um, he's, he was fantastic for Watford last year in the Championship. Yes, he's... Maybe the Premier League is maybe is it is a step up in quality, yeah. and he maybe is struggling a little bit. But it's not the time to start criticising him. Um, I, I believe he he will get better as the season goes on, but maybe he just needs to drop down to the bench and then look at 
how Hernandez is performing and be like, right, I need to get my spot back. And then you might see the best of Ken Semmer. But yeah, really excited by Cucho Hernandez. It was a really solid 45 minutes from him. It was getting involved straight away, wasn't he? And he was um, creating chances and he had his little pop-up volley from outside of the box that was dipping. It was dipping. It was it almost was. going in. Yeah, Josh King was the uh, the architect of that. And, you know, uh, other than the... You know, we were lucky not to concede a third. I think it was Aaron Connolly for them. Bloody hell, how, how we missed that. I thought that was in when he hit it. Because yeah. I think it hit the stanchion, the post at the, behind the net. So the net rippled as well. I thought, oh, for God's sake, 3-0. But no, um, I, I say it was a let-off. It, it sort of was, but we were still losing. So, But I, I want to, you know, fast forward to Josh King coming on and then Troy Deeney as well. Um I know Josh King only got, say, 25 minutes or so, but really, really encouraged by what I saw there, Ben. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I certainly think if we can get him firing on all cylinders, he's going to be a real handful. And he can definitely help chip in with the odd goal and, and definitely help create chances. Because, again, when he come on, much like Chucho, he was looking to create chances at every opportunity, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he's direct, isn't he? And that's what you need. He's got a bit of pace about him. He, he's, he was linking up play. Um, he set up Dennis, didn't he? Where Dennis put it in the back of the net, um, which was unfortunate. He just needed to hold his run a little bit longer because that was a great finish. He sent Dunk for an ice cream, didn't he? <laughs> the way, way he cut back in and then put it into the back of the net. But yeah, that's that's just showing what King can bring to the side. And that's what we may be lacking. I am excited by our forward players. Um, I do think them we got much better forward players than we did in the championship. Yep. I think we've got better players and forward players than what we did maybe in the Premier League last time we was in the Premier League, bar Delafayu. Um I think he was he's in the league of his own, isn't he? But other than that, I don't think the attacking players we had were great. Um, but now you just look at it, there's pace everywhere. Pace against uh, uh, all along that front three. You've got, you got you saw you've got Dennis, you've got Chuko, you've got King. It's really exciting for what we're going forward at the moment. It's just a shame we couldn't actually create more chances. But we did create more chances once, like you say, when King was on the pitch, Chucho was on the pitch. It, it, it was just a bit too late, wasn't it, for all of this to happen? It was, yeah. And we, we've talked about many a times how late, you know, substitutions can be. And it's, it's too late sometimes and everything else. And maybe we fell short of it yesterday in terms of the substitutions being too late. Obviously, the Chucho one, perfect in terms of half-time. But Josh King maybe could have got a little bit more, whether they're restricting him to a certain amount because of his pre-season or lack of pre-season. Um, and then Troy Deeney as well, considering... He, he claims to be the fittest he's been in six or seven years, I think he said, um, to, to come on at sort of t- the last 10 minutes. And I think he got roughly about the same against Aston Villa. So that might be an indication as to the sort of role that he's going to play for us this season. But uh, I also thought Troy Deeney did well when he came on. Um, in terms of, you know, aerially um, winning his aerial jewels, he obviously, I think it was King that crossed it for, uh, was it King or Messina crossed it for him? And he glanced yeah, ahead of just wide. Yeah, it was King. Uh, King, he um, crossed it in with his right foot. King peeled off his... Uh, no, Dini pulled off his man and his header just went wide. But he won every header yesterday, Troy. Yeah. And, and that's what, not what we've seen over the last couple of years. And that's probably down to the injuries that he was carrying. I think the Troy at his best is when he's physical and he wins headers. And, that, and we haven't seen that of late. But yesterday, 
Uh, Troy won everything in the air. And I do think he can be an asset coming off the bench. Like you say, we kind of we can understand what his role is going to be for what for this season. Now he's not started the first two games. He's been coming off the last ten for the last ten minutes. But I think that's what you can that's what you probably need from a Troy Deeney nowadays, isn't it? For the last ten minutes just to ruffle feathers, um, try and get in the defenders' faces and just then we can feed off the scraps off Troy Deeney and see what we can get. Um but yeah, I, I thought he did alright when he came on. Uh, yeah. didn't do anything wrong. Uh, absolutely, but unfortunately it wasn't enough to pull a goal back or the changes as as sort of lively as they may have made it in the second half and a little bit better if we're drawing some sort of positives out of the game. Um, overall, it was still a defeat and it was still a very, very disappointing performance from Watford. Um, Do you know what's that... frustrating about it the most is the yeah. two goals we conceded were avoidable. Um, 100%. The, 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 the corner, it was the poor marking. The, it went over True Secon's head, so there's possibly two attempts to probably get that out. Yeah, and then a second goal, <sighs> and it's true. Seacon playing it out from the back. Like if Sirielta was being next to him, you'd probably give it to Sirielta, and he's the ball playing defender. But I don't get what was going through True Seacon's mind. He's fair play to him. He's came out after the game and did an interview with Hive Live. His hand held his hands up. He's apologised to the lads after the game, saying it was his error and misjudgment. But. You can't be doing that. This is the difference between the Championship and the Premier League. You're going to get punished every time you make a mistake like that in the Premier League. And we got punished yesterday and that's what happened. We Two mistakes, two goals. We end up coming away from Brighton with zero points. Yeah. It, it, we, need, we need to wake up a little bit here. I'm, I'm not, it's not all doom and gloom. We've, we've, this that's is our true. second game of the season. We've got three points on the board. I think it's three points more than a lot of people would have thought at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, and if you ask me, I, I'm, I'm happy with three points after two games. We had a great performance against Aston Villa. Yes, it weren't to be at um, Brighton, but I'm encouraged from a second half. Um, we played much better second half. We just need to start games quicker. And if if we can do that and start on the front foot, I think we'll be OK. It's going to be a tough old season. But we're not down and out. Um, I've seen lots of people moaning on Twitter, like just calm down. Two games in, we played 180 minutes of football. Yeah. Just chill. Um, yeah. We'll be all right. <laughs> I think it doesn't help as well when you've just come up from the championship and you've won as the amount of games that we've won. And you know, without trying to sound big-headed, we are used to winning from last season, and we obviously had that immaculate home form, and we had, you know. Um, some some great wins last season to then go up to the Premier League and then we, you, the first thing you have to realise is you're not going to win as many games and I think people need to sort of realise that, that you know I know a few West Bromwich Albion fans for example and they know that when they go down then they're, you know, they're, they're loving it. You, you get to rock up, see your team win pretty much every week, if not every other week or whatever. And, um, you know, life's all good. But we, we're we in the Premier League on merit. You know, it's it hasn't gone to plan. Like you said, Ben, if you were offered three points after the first two games, you'd have took it. If you said to me, out of the two games that we've had, you're getting three points, guess who you got the three points against? I certainly mm. wouldn't have said Aston Miller. I would have maybe said Brighton, and even then, I'd have been maybe we'll draw against Brighton because um, although our stat pack suggests otherwise, 
our record at Brighton isn't the best. You know, we we've not won there since twenty fifteen. We've not won there in the Premier League, have we? With, yeah, exactly. With championship record. We've got a really good record. Yeah, yeah. The Premier League. They're a different outfit up there, and they've recruited well since they've been in the Prem. Um, yeah. They've got a really good manager who's probably going to go on and play manage at the, the highest level. Um, I see a bit of Brendan Rodgers about him. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up winning trophies in his career very soon. Um, but yeah, they're a really good football club. And I, I don't think say, people yeah. don't think people should look at Brighton and be like, oh, the, the little old Brighton. Come on, let's show them a little bit of respect. Brighton's a tough place to go to. It's just like Burnley's a tough place to go to as well. These yeah. teams, like no one should have the right to win three points. You have to deserve to yeah. win three points. You can't just stroll up and say, our fan base is better than yours, we're going to win three points. It doesn't work like that. And it's not one on paper either. It's, it's based on commitment and quality. And yesterday, Brighton showed all of that. Um, yeah. And that's why they picked up three points. Well, let's not forget as well, Ben, and, and a great point made there by yourself. Obviously, Brighton are a very, very good footballing side. Graham Potter, brilliant manager. I think his style of football is very attractive. Um, you know, he's he's got a good set of players there as well and they don't necessarily spend big in the transfer windows. They tend to use what they've got and Graham Potter's done brilliantly. It must be something about managers that are from Solihull um, because I keep winning with my Saturday team. Graham Potter's from <laughs> Solihull. He's won. Again, they've won two out of two. So, now, all seriousness, they are a good side and I think Going back to what you said, no one's got the God-given right to turn up and be like, yep, we've already won this. Let's not forget, I remember a Watford Observer article, Ben Foster saying um, the last season, at the start of last season, the problem that they had in 29-20 is Watford were turning up to games already thinking they were winning, already thinking they'd won them. Purely because of how well we did under Javi Garcia that season, they obviously... Their confidence got maybe a bit, a bit too much above their stations and they rocked up to go and thinking, yep, happy days, we'll beat these, no problem. Let's just play the game and then we'll all convene at full time when we've won. You cannot do that. Um, I think yesterday, as good a football inside as Brentford are, it was a very, very bad day at the office. Hopefully, Cisco will learn from this. I, 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 what I want to see is a reaction. If yeah. I see the same again against Tottenham, then I'm not expecting us to go out and beat Tottenham. But uh, and I, it pains me to say that because you obviously want to bounce back with a win. But Tottenham are a, a good side, even though you know Harry Kane's not been playing. They've still won two out of two. They won again today. But I, I just want to see a reaction. If I see the same sort of performance, I know that Cisco's not really thought about it or not really done anything to change it. So. I don't want to see that. Um, I just want to see a reaction. Yeah, it's the reaction. It's, it's team selection we want to see. We want to see how um, Cisco's going to approach the game as well because, let's be honest, he was out-coached by Potter yesterday. Um, he stopped Watford from attacking down that right-hand side. With so yeah. He saw how much damage we did against Aston Villa and he wanted to stop that. And that's why Brighton, when they attacked, it was all down the left-hand side yesterday and they got Messina and Messina looked really weak down there. I thought, um, it's, it's, you've got to think, we've got a lot of first-team players out still um, who would normally start. You've got Cyril who's, who's back. I, I imagine, well, he's been out, but I imagine he would probably be back for Spurs or the game after. Um, they've just given him a bit of an extra long break after the Copper America. Um, yes. 
And then you've got the likes of Kiko Femenia, who's luckily back in training, so I imagine he would be okay for Spurs. Uh, and then it's a midfield, isn't it? Um, Kuka, massive first impressions against Villa, missed yesterday, and you saw how much we missed him. And it's it's funny saying that after he only played 70 minutes in a Watford shirt, but it, that's the effect he had for us. And then you've got the likes of Josh King, um, who was really impressive coming off the bench. You've got Cuco Hernandez as well. But the main issue is that midfield three. It's, we've got to find the right pairing for that midfield three now. Um, yeah. We need to start getting the chemistry up between them. We need to start being more solid. Uh, we need to be more aggressive in that midfield because they just came through us. They walked through us. It was like there was the parting of the sea. It was non-existent. Yeah. Um, really, really disappointed with Itubu, probably the most out of the three. Um, after what I saw against um, Villa, I was, I was impressed about him and then hearing what he did in pre-season. But the only thing I saw of him yesterday is when he got hit in the face with a Bazuma free kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good in terms of midfield. I think that that's where we lost the game massively yesterday. And you know, I'd, I I think cleverly again, he's he was absolutely superb for us at times last season. And I remember when he was out injured for one of the games, and we was like panicking a little bit, thinking, "Christ, like this is a vital running, and cleverly's missing." Yeah. Um, but he, I don't know. I just. I yeah. really hope it was just a bad day at the office for Clems. Um, the, the debate to be had is what we've, what happened in our WhatsApp group earlier, which is a good point that's been made and we've seen it on Twitter as well. It's the tried and trusted of the Championship players. Are they good enough for the Premier League? Are they good enough for the intensity of the Premier League? That's the likes of Cathcart, Cleverly, um, Semmer. Uh, probably three question marks and most over those three players at the moment. Cavcart, is he good enough to be playing week in, week out in the Premier League? No. Uh, is Sema, I think he needs to drop down to the bench and see how good Kuko is and see what he can do to get back into the team. Cleverly, I felt for Cleverly yesterday. Um, I felt he was trying to press and try and set the tempo of the game, but he wasn't getting it from behind, um, from Itago or Loser, where he did against Villa. So I felt sorry for him. He was a bit isolated, but... Do we really want to rely on Tom Cleverley for the whole season? Is he the kind of player who's going to have enough quality and enough grit about him to drag us through games? It's a big step up from a championship to a Premier League. And if I'm totally honest, I don't think he is the kind of player we need in that advanced midfield free role to try and win us games. And it pains me to say it because I love Tom Cleverley. I love what he gives this football club. But is he really good enough to be playing week in, week out in the Premier League for Watford in that advanced midfield three? I don't think so. Um, we'll have we'll have to see. But it, the, the transfer window is still open as well. I still think we're going to bring in maybe one more midfielder. Um, we've obviously got two fan who we're going to discuss a little bit further in a bit. Um, I think he's going to be ending up starting. It's who you're going to play in that ad, advanced midfield three Um uh, who would you play? If, well, if I, there's question marks over Quinner's head, isn't there? There's a possible loan move to Bournemouth being touted, they're being interested. He doesn't seem fancied by Cisco either. And what gets me is at the start of pre season, he came back from Granada after a good loan spell away. He played in Europa League, did an interview with um, Watford Observer saying he's had a chat with Cisco and he's in his plans for this season. He's not been in a match day squad. Um, I don't think he's injured. Um, I just think he's not being fancied. 
um, Adam Leventhal actually said for, for from Rookery End uh, podcast last week that it looks like Quinner could be on his way out of the club, um, whether that's on loan or a permanent deal. It looks like he's on his way out, so it doesn't look like he's going to be featuring. And then you just think, are we short of that attacking midfielder? Are, would would you maybe possibly play Kushko in that um, advanced midfield role? I or would don't you think maybe I'd even play pl- advanced. No. What about J- JP Ten when he comes back, Joe Pedro? Yeah, this is a really interesting one. And just before I have my say, if you're listening to this and you want to have your say as well, drop us a tweet at Voices of the Vic or drop us a message on Instagram. Let us know who you, who your ideal midfield three would be. Uh, and then um, it would be great to hear your guys' thoughts on it as well. But um, in terms of the advanced one, I wouldn't have a problem if we were going to play three midfield. If you had two were sort of holding slightly. I wouldn't mind if it was Cleverly and Kucher as as the two that are holding, and then played two fan the new guy um, as the more advanced midfielder. Because you yeah. know you've got Tom Cleverly doesn't shirk out of a tackle. I know people are listening now, probably thinking I've just slagged him off to the high heavens. That wasn't my intentions. I just thought he had a bad day at the office. But Cleverly doesn't shirk out of a tackle. We know that Kucher's an absolutely crazy hard nut. And he, he loves a crunching tackle as well and he's not afraid to put himself about. So if you've got two holding sort of midfielders out of the midfield three there that aren't afraid to put their foot in and, and get sort of stuck in, then that's half your problem solved already. And then if these um, two fans as good as people have been ranting and raving about, then in, in an advanced midfielder position, then yeah, ideally him. Um, I think you make a very, very solid point for Quinner. I think it's baffling to find out that it sounds like he's pretty much on the verge of joining Bournemouth, of all teams. Now, if I was to take my Watford-tinted glasses off for one second there, then Bournemouth is probably a good loan move for him because they are probably yeah. going to be fighting for the for promotion this season. And Quinn had to be in a team fighting for promotion. That's great. But if I'm to pop my glasses back on, then do I really want one of our players going out and loan to Bournemouth and do, do, well, the, the main question is why are we sending him out on loan again it, it's clear it's evident that his loan spell at Granada he impressed thoroughly um, he's did that article as you mentioned with Watford Observer and he said that he was as far as he was aware it was in Cisco's plans I think he played the first pre-season came back against Millwall I think our first one was behind closed doors he scored mm. He then scored in another pre-season, I think it was against Colchester in one of the two games. So, whenever this guy plays, he, he lights it up. He would be ideal as the advanced midfielder. But for whatever reason, Cisco's just not choosing him. Um, and then JP10, absolutely I could see him playing in that role as well. We saw him playing midfield against QPR, I think it was. The, the away game, which we ended up losing, but... Um, I think they've all got solid cases, but I think it is going to be this new guy, too, fan, um, who, who is going to play as that sort of advanced uh, midfielder. Tell you what, mate, we've got big game Tuesday night um, in the yeah. League Cup. There's a lot of places up for grabs in this starting eleven. Um, this is the opportunity for these fringe players to, to stake a case, a case for a the starting eleven. Yeah. Um, is Quinner going to be involved? Is he going to get a start? He, if he is, he needs to put in a massive performance to even be in this thinking of 
uh, Cisco. Um, you've got Danny Rose as well. He he must be thinking, I want that left back spot. I don't want Messina to have it. I'm better than uh, Messina. Let's show him what I can do. Um, there's lots of question marks over the starting eleven, um, and a lot of fringe players will want to get minutes under their belts and show Cisco what he can do. So it'll be interesting to see who starts Tuesday, who has a good performance, and whether they're involved for the weekend's game against Spurs. It is interesting you say that. I think that in terms of the the team that will be chosen I think this would be a perfect game for Quinner I think Danny Rose as well I, I would put him in against Spurs regardless of if he plays on Tuesday night against Palace because Messina yes he did well against Aston Villa um, up until that stupendous foul um, he, he did really well up, up until that foul he, he didn't do very well yesterday. I think I can't remember who was up against him, but he was he wasn't even playing in his proper position. So I think it was Webster was up against him, and uh, you know he, he he didn't do well at all yesterday. So I'd even be tempted to throw Rose in against Tottenham, regardless of if he plays for Palace. But if we can get some minutes under his belt against Palace, happy days. Uh, Sierra Elta, I would play him against Palace as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ashley Fletcher and maybe Troy Deeney as well. Uh, but yeah, a, a massive, massive opportunity for some fringe players. I don't expect us one one bit, by the way, to go through on Tuesday. Like I, I very, very rarely am disinterested by Watford games, uh, but this one on Tuesday, I don't know whether it's because it's a, a home tie in the early rounds of the Carabao Cup, right? And we're at home to Crystal Palace, but this one has just got disinterested written all over it for me. Uh, yeah. Unless we win, of course, and then I'll be gloating on Twitter that we've beaten Crystal Palace in a cup with our second string side. Like that's how it goes. That is literally how it will go. Uh, but in terms of other than that, I, I'm just not interested whatsoever, um, which is a real shame because I think teams like ourselves should take the Carabao Cup more seriously because you've got other teams that put their second string sides out. Um, and well, I think yeah. you'll be seeing it from Watford on Tuesday. We'll be putting yeah, out well, our second string side. So. This but is what I mean. It's yeah. a good opportunity for players. I'm Absolutely. like you. I'm a bit disinterested by it as well. But I think that's because we're playing Palace again and we played them a few weeks ago. Would have been more interested than if we was playing a lower league side or yeah. playing someone else in the Prem like Newcastle at home or something like that. Something a bit more interesting than Palace. Yeah. Um, I'm bored of that. Um, football team and I'm even bored of it seeing one of our players really strongly linked with him as well um, yeah. which just makes me physically sick to think of him in a Palace shirt um, but yeah <laughs> yeah it's not good whatsoever I, I think we're going to have to get used to maybe coming to terms with the fact that that is probably going to happen pretty much any day now which is a real real shame um, but yeah obviously that that that's pretty much the, the game summed up in terms I think of that's our longest ever review of a um, a, 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 match. a defeat yeah <laughs> a, a defeat. defeat definitely but we've had um, to dissect it there's, there's yeah. been a few things that a lot of people are unhappy with we've needed to um, chat about it uh, I think we need to chat about it just get it off our ch- chest I think I'm going to sleep better tonight knowing that I've, I've spoke about my problems Watford's yeah. problems um, yeah. and hopefully Cisco he listens to this because he did um reply to a cheeky DM we sent him the other day so maybe he might listen to a pod as well and be like oh, alright won't let the boys down what I'm going to do I'm going to send him the link to this podcast and say mate if you need if you're struggling motivation with team selection team headaches Cisco, if you're listening, my Saturday team won 4-2. I changed formation at half-time. 
and we then, we went on to win. So I know I know what I'm doing, son. So <laughs> if you need help, my Instagram name is in the bio of the. Just drop me a message, mate. We'll we'll have a chat. Not a problem. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I think it, it was it was important to definitely obviously dissect that. It was a poor, bad, bad day at the office. Hopefully not to be repeated. Um, as we've said, we want to see a reaction against Tottenham on Sunday, uh, not Saturday. Uh, we're playing on Sunday because Tottenham are playing in that uh, Europa Conference League on Thursday. Which, by the way, it's hilarious. They're one 0 down. Um, <laughs> I like this team. I, I, not, I don't even know who they are. And uh, they're 1-0 down in the first leg, so that is a little bit embarrassing. I won't gloat too much because Tottenham could turn around and absolutely hammer us and then they've got every right to, to have a go at me then. But um, we, as always, we've, we've got a few other topics to talk about as well. Um, so we're going to go to a very, very quick ad break. And then after the ad break, we'll be talking about a few more topics to do with Watford. So we will see you after this ad break. If you're looking to buy a property, give Property Prize Guru a call. They specialise in helping buyers on their property search and can even negotiate on your behalf, potentially saving you thousands. Email info at propertyprizeguru.co.uk and use reference house 07. That's house 07 for a discounted rate. Yes, so as I say, we've we've got some topics to, to speak about, some some transfer news as well we've done two dedicated transfer episodes and we we reeled off so much in those but the transfers keep happening like we keep loading players out we we're buying players like this is the most busy i've known watford in terms of the transfer market in and out which, it reminds me of the year we got promoted when we made about 13 transfers in that yeah, summer as well <laughs> exactly well I, i've got no problems with it whatsoever so um Let's start with the incoming one. We've obviously seen in the week that we've announced the signing of Turkey international Ozan Tufan from Fenerbahce on a season-long loan with an option to buy. Uh, he's centre midfielder. He's 26 years old, and the um, the season last season he made 38 appearances, scored six goals, and assisted 10 times. And if you've seen the clips on our Twitter that Ben very very kindly put up and digged out from the archives. He loves a long-range screamer. Uh, Now, obviously, with him coming over from Turkey, me and Ben will confess to not knowing much about him. But fear not, we did speak to Louis Young, who's a football writer. Uh, He writes for World Football Index. He writes for Football's Finest and Breaking the Lines. All can be found on Twitter as well, as can Louis himself. Uh, and he is a Turkish football expert as well. So he uh, he gave us a bit of a lowdown on the new signing, Ozan Tufan, and what we as Watford fans can expect from him. Uh, so yeah, we 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 chatted to Louis earlier, and and this is this is what he said. <laughs> first place to start with those on two fans is his style of play. You can probably expect him to have a huge impact in both boxes for Watford. At his best he does kind of capture the perfect box-to-box archetype. At Fenerbahce he played as a defensive midfielder but also as a number 10 and even filled in as a right back on occasion but typically played as a more progressive midfielder in a midfield three. He's had some great influences in his time for his development in Turkey. Şenol Gunas who Gave him a great. He has a great legacy in the Super League. Um, 
he gave Oza his first run of games when he played for Borussia. Uh, Fatih Terim, uh, who coached him at the national team, Ekut Kocherman, who coached him at Fener, have arguably added the kind of tough, more steely side to Ozan's game. He thrives most when he's kind of round players that make him work hard, that you know, that are work hard workers in the team. He thrives most when he's around harder workers in the team, especially in the defensive phase. And in the national team and at Fener, he has thrived as being the most progressive number eight in a midfield three. That's kind of what I'd argue Ozan's best role is, but he'd also do well at Watford, uh, you know, alongside someone like a table in a double pivot next to someone like a table who's more industrious and more defensive-minded. When he was younger, he was kind of pushed aside by Fenerbahce and put out on loan uh, by Ekut Kocherman, who said that he kind of needed to sort out his priorities. He's been guilty of maybe having a bit of a hot-headed attitude. He was loaned out to Alanya Spor in, I think, 2018. And uh, that really did aid his development. When he came back, he got part of the national team again and he was a really reliable player for, for Fener in the 2019-20 season and the 2020-21 season. So to sum up, I think that at Watford you'll be seeing a really complete version of Ozan Tufan. He's matured as a player and become a definite more consistent performer. You should expect him to be more impactful all over the pitch. He does love a long-range goal and he has a bit of a reputation for that. Not being a particularly great goal scorer, but a scorer of great goals. And he is very hard-working, very consistent, versatile. And when he's properly coached, he can be a huge asset to any club. So yeah, some very, very interesting stuff. And just as well, apologies with the, the audio there. Not not the best, but uh, it was still listenable. But very, very interesting in terms of if he's got hard-working players around him, he will flourish. And I think this is what, going back to what I said a minute ago, if you've got Cleverly and Kucher in a holding two holding positions and then you, you give him the licence to push forward and play as an advanced midfielder, then surely he's going to flourish there, Ben. Yeah, he can play in the number six role or a number eight role, and I think he yeah. can flourish a bit more in the number eight role. Um, I think number six restricts him a bit more, where he's, he's obviously got to be a bit more defensive-minded. But in the number eight role, he, like we just said, he, he had ten assists last season and six goals, and he doesn't score tap-ins either. He scores really good weldies. Um, so many of them. We could have just... I could have carried on posting those videos on Twitter, mate. There were so many of them to choose from. But I'm really excited by him. Um, he, he's um, quite, a, quite a big lad as well. He um, looks like he puts himself about a bit. And he's got a lot of international caps for Turkey as well. Represented them in the Euros. Yes, they didn't have a great um, Euros competition. But it's still European experience, which is going to help him as well. And he, he seems really excited to be coming over to England and playing in the best league in the world. And and to play for Watford and he called us a town as well didn't he he, he didn't say it was a London club he called us a town so he's, he's a cult hero already he is indeed he really really is and um, it's I'm looking forward to it I mean listen as as every player will have there are mixed reviews We, I just want to say as well on a side note the amount of Turkish followers that we gained Ben from <laughs> when you put these tweets out honestly like we, we're always overwhelmed with the support that we get anyway, but we've jumped up to, with seven followers off 2,000. So if you're listening to this on the off chance 
that you don't follow us on Twitter, head over, bump that up, get us a 2K. But yeah, we, also... want to, we want to stick out the graphic. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Ben's made a brilliant graphic for it, so get to 2K and then you can see the graphic. But um, yeah, like the, the amount of Turkish people, and we've had mixed reviews, like a lot of... The majority have said, look, he's a brilliant player. They're really excited to see him get his chance in the Premier League. We love hearing stuff like that. Uh, I think we even had Besiktas fans, and they're arch rivals of Fenerbahce. Besiktas fans saying he's a good player, he's going to flourish in the Prem. The only problem is, it sounds like he does have a problem with his weight a little bit. He can yeah. When he gets demotivated, he can put weight on a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how we keep tabs on that and how he, you know, is, is on that as well. So, But I think the training's different over in Turkey to what it is over in England, isn't it? There's different yeah. training regime and I, I, don't, I don't see that being an issue. Um, yeah, but I saw, I've seen bad things as well. I've seen that is a bit of a bad egg sometimes, but that's like you say, that's down to motivation and that. But we've got a few bad eggs in the club and we want, who's got a point to prove as well. And I think it's going to work for them this season, like the likes of Emmanuel Dennis as well. So I think Tufan's just another one who's going to come over. It's a loan doer as well, so he wants to earn this permanent contract. He wants to keep Watford in the Premier League and be a Premier League player every year. So um, I think it's a good low-risk sign-in as well. I, I imagine if we stay up, isn't it an option to buy or something? Um, yes. Obligation to buy. So I think if we stay up, I think it's like a £7 million fee or something we've got to pay for. So it's absolutely nothing really um, in the Premier League nowadays. And I just... I do see him being one of the midfield three to start games as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play and I, I think he could get some minutes against Palace on Tuesday. Yeah, well, like I said, if, if you can see... Uh, two fan being part of your midfield free, please do let us know at Voices of the Vic on all social media platforms. Let us know your ideal midfield free because uh, it is one that's going to spark debate this season. I think like last season it was pretty nailed on who was going to be starting where, but this season I think it's a little bit more up in the air. So we'd be interested to to know your opinion on that. Um, an outgoing now, and one which surprised me a little bit, not in the sense of him going out on loan, but the team that he's gone to. Now, there is a Watford connection because their manager is an ex-player and an ex-manager of ours, but I, I envisage him going to a championship team, to be honest, Ben. Joseph Hungbo, he's going to spend this season on loan at Scottish side, Ross County, and for that ex-player and ex-manager I was referring to, if you don't know already, uh, Malky McCoy is the manager of Ross County as well. Uh, now, what made me laugh, I've, whilst, I was, uh, whilst she was talking, I, I know that Ross County were playing Rangers today, so that's yeah. one hell of a baptism of fire. Um, Joseph Hungbo come on 70 minutes and then 72 minutes picked up a yellow card. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know what he was uh, what he was doing, but they unfortunately lost 4-2 to Rangers. But uh, Ben... I, Listen, like I said, not a problem. Brilliant that he's got a loan move, but I just did not see like going to Scotland. No disrespect to Scottish football, but I envisage he could definitely play in the Championship from glimpses that we saw last season. Yeah, I agree. I thought he was going to play in the English Football League still. I, I, I didn't know whether I could see him playing in the Championship. I thought maybe Upper League one. Um, I, I thought the Championship's still a big jumping class. Um 
But yeah, Scottish football was, was a bit of a shock. I think that's purely because Malky Mackay is there, the Watford connection. And look, he's, I think he can do really well for Ross County up there. Um, I think it's a good standard for him. I think it, yeah, really good standard for him, actually. I think he, he's going to flourish up there. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of like goals and assists he gets this season because I do think he's going to do well up there. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's let's hope that the... Um, let's hope that... It's it's better things to come for um, for Josie Pongbo. Obviously, a, a little bit of a tricky one for his debut game, and um, but I'm sure he will grow into it as well. Um, and you know, just whilst we're on the subject of loan E players, won't go through every single one of them because there's a bloody long list of players out on loan. But um, seventeen players, is it? Yeah, uh, one of them that stuck out for me. It sounds like Pontus Dolberg had a played an absolute blinder against Portsmouth. He pulling off saves left, right and centre and he saved another penalty as well. Um, yeah. So it's good to see him recovering after his, his spill in the week against, I think it was Accrington. Yeah. yeah. So it's good to see that he's bounced back from that with a solid performance against Portsmouth as well. And they're no mugs. Yeah, I so, think Portsmouth are like third or fourth in the table, so that's a big point for Doncaster. They're, they're yeah. struggling to score this season, Doncaster. Yeah, um, it sounds I like Chuchor's not really getting the... the... He's starting week in, week out. Um, yeah. he's, he's having chances, just not scoring. But yeah, Doncaster are 23rd in League One at the moment. After four games, they've got one point, so they really need to start scoring now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dolbog was the man of the match with his penalty save, and like you say, it was a good way for him to rebound after his little bit of a howler he um, produced against Accrington but it's how you respond isn't it it's your reaction Absolutely. and this is why we sent him out on loan to get this experience for him to grow as a keeper and, a, and a, as a person so it's really good to see um, I think another loan player we got on loan in League One is um, oh, the name's just gone um, Dan, Dan Phillips um, he, he's currently out injured um, for Gillingham. He's, he's missed the last few games. He started the, um, the season with him. I think he played about three games in a row and he scored a really good goal away at Crawley in, in the Cup. So hopefully he recovers quickly and he'll be back playing first-team football again soon. Absolutely, yeah. We wish him a speedy recovery. I'll, I'll be honest, I thought he was still suspended because I'm pretty sure he got sent off in one game. I don't know if I've made that up in my head, but no, um, I don't think he's been booked a few times, but he's not yeah. been sent off. Um, he, oh, he picked okay. up a little niggly injury. I think it was against Norwich in the cup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's been out for about three games, but I think he could return this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed he does, and you know it's good to see our loan players. The Doncaster fans love Dolberg by the reactions on Twitter. Gillingham fans love. Uh, Phillips just as much so it's good to see these Forest fans love sinking they go <laughs> oh they do they absolutely do um, so it's good to see these lone lads getting the, the game time and impressing as well so that that's good for us it's good for them it's good for the teams the fans of the teams that um, are supporting them um, another outgoing which we, we sort of touched on a little bit you know not long ago which to be honest, Ben, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you now. I'm getting a bit bored of it and just sort of want it sort of done. It looks like Palace are going to win the race to sign Will Hughes. I say race. Burnley have also entered the uh, the sort of scene, but it looks like Palace are poised to agree. £10 million deal for Will Hughes. Um, the Palace have tabled in a bid of £7 million plus extras for him. Uh, and they've also apparently offered 60 grand a week to seal the deal. Now, I th- there were 
quite a few people when we popped that tweet out on our podcast account saying why don't we just fork up the extra because I think we offered him 50 grand if the athletic if, if I remember correctly from the athletic article and people are saying why don't we just offer him the extra 10 that's not the point like if the Sonny just ain't right with this deal like it's from some people you hear that Will Hughes wants to stay and he he doesn't want to leave and it's his agent his agent obviously being former player Paolo Venazza and um I, I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes with this one, but Ben, I think we both agree on this. We just want it sort of done now because getting a bit bored, getting a bit tired of, will he stay? Could be possible that he'll stay, but I think he's gone. He's as good as gone now, isn't he, Ben? Yeah, I think the hope was we all wanted him to stay. I, I don't know what's really happened with this contract situation. Um, at the end of the season, he said he wanted to stay at Watford. He was leaving it in the hands of his agents to sort out Start of the season came. I think he's probably obviously had a conversation with Gino and the hierarchy at Watford, and he says, "Look, I'm I'm just exploring my options at the moment." And in Gino's head, he's like, "Right, I'm not going to put you in a first team um, situation then because we need people who are committed to the football club, which is fair enough. I, I agree with that, but I think Will Hughes is not like that. Um, he doesn't like being frozen out, and I think once he got frozen out, he was like. I'm not going to be treated like this. I'm going to. I am going to move now. Um, I, that's what it says to me. I, I, I there's rumours about the whole fifty percent pay cut if you get relegated as well. I think that's playing on his mind as well. That's why he started exploring his options. I don't think he really wanted to move from Watford. He wanted that better contract, which Watford were going to offer him. But then Watford have said, right, we need to introduce fifty percent pay cuts if Watford do get relegated because we want to run a sustainable business. We we want to run a sustainable football club and at the end of the day we want Watford Football Club to be here in 50 years time we don't want them to go in a couple of years time because we've had back-to-back relegations for whatever reason and we are got players on four or five year contracts on silly money you need to look after this football club and I think Virginia is doing the best thing for the football club obviously Will Hughes it's, it's footballers they, they earn a lot of money but it's also a short career isn't it so if, and not many footballers go into big jobs after their playing careers. Few of them go into punditry or managing or coaching, but a lot of players don't do that. So obviously Will Hughes is probably thinking, right, I need to earn as much as I can because this is a short career and I just need to look after my family, which he's got every right to do that. But as a Watford fan, when you see Will Hughes say he wants to stay at the football club and then Watford's improved, offered him an improved contract, it's, and then he's being linked with a move to Crystal Palace. It's like it's like being shat on by an ex, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's gonna take some some getting used to seeing him in a Palace shirt. And I, I think I was listening to the the rest of the from the Rookery M podcast the, today on, on the train back because I didn't quite get time to finish it when it came out on Thursday. And I think Mike pretty much made a, a solid solid point. Is Will Hughes wouldn't have chose Palace originally like when this all happens Will Hughes wasn't thinking well Palace will come along and, and snap me up he's he's taking what he's getting in terms of Palace are willing to offer him 60 grand a week we're not we're offering him this and this is a clause in the contract if we get relegated 50% contract a uh, 50% reduction in wages so in terms of that his agent's always going to choose that and you know it, it, 
he's going to choose more money and I sort of can blame him, I can't blame him. I, yeah, I'm gutted that he's going to be leaving, uh, but I would certainly have no hard feelings towards Will Hughes. He, I've seen him getting a fair bit of stick recently on Twitter, but yeah, it's clear I, I, I to see that it's his agent, not him. Yeah, I don't think he warrants for sticking. I, I can't see him getting an awful lot of stick when Watford played Palace at, at Watford because um, yeah. we've still got to do that this season. Uh, and I think he's going to get a lot of stick and I don't think he deserves that. Um, part of me thinking that Will Hughes just wants to go to a football club that don't change managers all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know he, he's been here for how long? Um, about four years, maybe three, four years. Um, yeah, about and, right we've gone through probably about five managers in that um, spell. Is it part of Will Hughes thinking, why do I want to sign a long-term contract with Watford when you can't guarantee Cisco's going to be here for another year or three months or whatever it is, and we'll just have another manager. And then after that, he'll be gone and there'll be another manager. Is Will Hughes thinking, there was a time a few years ago where he was maybe on the brink of the England squad, maybe? I think Southgate maybe mentioned him... Or some, or people was mentioning him for the um, football, the England national team, and it's not worked out for him. So is he thinking if I need to go to a settled football club? I know Palace aren't really settled because they've just made the managerial change for themselves, but that's because their manager's retired. But prior to that, they've made a lot of quick judgments on managers and got rid of people. They got rid of Ronald De Boer after about four games, um, and and. Patrick Vieira hasn't got a very good managerial record either, so are they really a more settled football club? They might be a more secure Premier League football club, as in they've been in the Premier League for longer than Watford. Mm -hmm. So are they more of an established Premier League club than Watford? Yes, but is it a bit of a risk going to a side like Palace where they've just signed all these players and it's a new manager? And Are they going to be in a relegation battle this year? Yes, in my eyes, I see it's a sideways move. It if, is a sideways if, if, if I was him, I would have looked at teams like Aston Villa and wanted to get that move to Villa because I think of Villa, the way they run their football club, they're going places. I see Villa being like a top eight football team in this in the Premier League. Um, maybe not this season, but they will be. And then they can push on and try and get into Europe like they used to under Martin O'Neill when they was in the Europa League for a couple of seasons back-to-back. I can see Villa going back to that, back to those days. Um, so if I was Shusey, I would have wanted to go there, but obviously they haven't came in for him. Uh, I think I think Will Hughes is probably a bit upset about that as well. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely see this as a sideways move. Me and my boss often talk about this whilst driving to from job to job but we often say you know Will Hughes to, to Crystal Palace absolutely it's a sideways move he's not you know it's Palace aren't a better side yes they've been in the Prem longer than us but it's not as if they're aiming for I don't know top half finish or anything like that so yeah sideways move 100% and you know as as much as I like Hughes and I think he's been a great servant for the club um, I just want this over with now. Get the official confirmation out of the way, and then we can just get on with wondering. Oh, he might change his mind, and he all this. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see him and what happens with Chalaber as well. Um, so yeah, it's uh, 
once that's completed, then who knows? You, we can just stop talking about it then, and, and happy days. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all we've got time for in terms of the uh, the the Brighton review. Uh, we did try and keep it as as sort of quick as as possible. And look, when we first started out, our podcast tended to tended to be around sort of half an hour to forty five minutes at max. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore because we've got much more to talk about and uh, stuff like that. So this one's um, shorter compared to most recent ones. So hopefully we've uh, you've not had to put put up with us for too long on, on this episode. But uh, you've probably noticed how there is no Crystal Palace fan on to talk about the next game or Tottenham as well. Me and Ben are going to be speaking to a Tottenham podcast on Tuesday night. So it'll be available as a one-off episode for you to listen to on Wednesday morning, so me and Ben will be talking to the Tottenham fan about the Tottenham game, the thoughts from the Tottenham camp, everything going on from the Tottenham camp, and then me and Ben will be just talking about a little bit more of a preview um, ahead ahead of that game at, um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday uh, afternoon at 2 o'clock. So, yeah, we're, you've got that one to look forward to. You've obviously got this one as well. Uh, if you don't already, follow us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, follow us on Spotify as well, so uh, and on Apple Podcasts. So whenever podcasts drop, you'll get a notification to say new voices of the week episode out. Uh, leave us a like on Twitter as well. Leave us a review and a like on Apple Podcasts because it really, really does help. Um, so that would be massive, massively appreciated. And uh, yeah, as always, a continued thank you for your fabulous, fabulous support. Like the interaction we're getting at the moment is just crazy, crazy. So, yeah, please keep that up. Uh, and, yeah, we really hope you've enjoyed this one. Myself and Ben, like I say, you'll hear from us again on Wednesday morning talking about the Tottenham game for a, a one-off episode. Um, and, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, stay safe and come on, you ones. <laughs> Podcast Network.